Do you remember September 28th this year? You should. Two months ago, and there was a massive hurricane bearing down on southwest Florida. Hurricane. It moved up through central Florida up the spine, and it brought torrential rains, hurricane-force winds right here. I mean, it tore up a lot of Florida, a lot of flooding. But as that was happening, 15 miles south of us, just outside of Mulberry, a family of 11 huddled in an old dilapidated mobile home. It was a mom and a dad and nine children, all the same family. And they were waiting like all of us, but with very fragile protection. Sometime in the middle of the night is when that massive oak tree snapped, just right outside the mobile home. It crashed into one of the bedrooms. It split the roof, carved a deep hole in the back wall of the bedroom, destroying the window in that room. You can see the picture here. That's from inside. Now, what's amazing about this, this all happened while half of the children were asleep in that room. Can you imagine? Fortunately, none of them was injured. But one of their bedrooms was in shambles. It was essentially destroyed. The migrant family had lived there for 26 years in that same home, faithfully paying their $750 rent on time every month. The next day, as the hurricane began to subside, the landlord showed up. He showed up telling them that the October rent was due and that it would now be $900 a month. He raised the rent like that. With that is what he was asking them to pay for. If they didn't like it, he said, they could leave. That was his compassion, or should I say lack thereof. Now, Pastor Nicky, in writing about our theme for this Sunday, and of course we're in a season called A Thrill of Hope, based on O Holy Night, Pastor Nicky wrote, the injustice of this world can often feel like too much. I would imagine that family felt that way. She wrote, there's poverty, hunger, inequity, climate change. It can feel like an overwhelming, never-ending problem with no solution. It's an old story. Feeling like there's just nothing fair in life for you. There's no way out. It's as old as the human race. Tragedy, disaster, health crisis, a failed relationship a moral failure, all of that can leave us feeling like there's no hope, there's no justice for us. You're working hard, you're trying to get ahead, and then the bottom falls out, or an oak tree falls on your home. But you got to keep reading. Because one of the remarkable gifts that we come across in Scripture is captured in that word hope. I want to share with you a section of Scripture which holds out this remarkable vision of hope. Now, this comes at a time when Israel is living in captivity. They're not feeling really good about their lives. It's not an oak tree. It's that their cities have been destroyed. They've been carried off and made slaves by a ruling nation. All their treasure has been plundered. They're not allowed to worship God the way that they've been used to. The bottom was yanked out from under them. And then comes this scripture. And I think the challenge for them was to believe in it because it's not yet there. It's a promise of what's coming. And by the way, that's still true of us today. 
Can you believe in this? Can you believe in the promise that is made? I want to share with you a section of that scripture which holds out that remarkable section of justice, peace, and a promise. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So now we're talking about a person. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord will all be part of this person we're reading. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance or make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor, make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Now this scripture, which continues with this remarkable vision of a peaceable kingdom where the lion lays down with the lamb, where swords are beaten into plowshares, is one that defies pain. Pain is real, but it says that's not what owns you. It's not the final word. It defies injustice, the hurts of this world, and boy, there's a lot of it. The story of that family, the one whose mobile home was crushed, that can be repeated again and again and again. Just pick any area of the world, and it happens over and over. We might be tempted to say, life is tough. It's just unfair. It's not fair to me. It's harsh. But God has something different to say to us. Tells us that there is a final hope. And part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to lean into that hope. Because you can get sucked back into the despair. You can end up being hopeless, broken, defeated, feeling like your permanent address is darkness. And what this season is about is that we're being pulled into the light. We're going to read on Christmas Eve that the light was coming into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. That's really important to remember. And part of what we're doing, preparing ourselves to get there in this Advent season, even though we might say life is tough and unfair, unjust and harsh, the world wants to deny us justice, wants to deny our needs. God will not. And the very word of God is, is that I get to give this to you. It is a promise that I make. It is not the world's promise. It is the promise of the Creator. And here we're reminded that God made that promise very real. Because what happens is the Scripture takes on flesh. Jesus showed up and started talking about the reality of a world that doesn't exploit, doesn't hurt, doesn't crush, where everybody matters. Everybody And that's what's happening here as we're beginning to see these people in captivity lean into hope and it takes on flesh and is still with us today. The Savior of the world was the one who came, among other things, to bring justice. The Bible reminds us as well that we're to be part of making this vision a reality. So what I've told you is a promise that's in Scripture the reality that comes with Jesus Christ, but God didn't just stop there and say, now enjoy it. Actually, what happens if you call yourself a follower of Jesus is you're embracing this idea that you get to be part of bringing God's justice, mercy, love, hope into the world. 
You can't just talk about it. You've got to get in there. In other words, there is hope for the future. God calls us to be hope for the present. I believe in that future, that hopeful future. But I understand that when I saw that mobile home crushed, when I met that family, there's something that you and I are called to do. That's part of bringing God's kingdom here and now, to reveal the love of Jesus Christ right now. So here we are at Advent, a season that the church has set aside to prepare for this incredibly good news that Jesus became one of us, was born in Bethlehem. The news is that God came into our world to give us hope, to give us love and salvation. God came to drive away the darkness, as I said. And sometimes driving away the darkness is when we live as Jesus calls us to live. I don't know if you think that way. We read these scriptures about darkness and light, but do you understand that this is a call for you to be someone who drives away the darkness? You may have seen us on the stage earlier. The lights weren't on. It was hard to see up there, but one of our band members had lost a little gold chain and a cross. So we took out our phones, turned the flashlight on, and we're looking up there because it was too dark to find anything. What God has done has become the light for our very souls, for our lives, to show us the way, the truth, and the life. That's far more important than finding something that we lost. It's finding us, giving us hope. And we are called to be light that everybody can see, to become that real expression of what Isaiah wrote about when he said, God will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. Guess where I was two days after Hurricane Ian? In that migrant camp looking at exploitation. The family whose home was destroyed found themselves in a crisis, and to make matters worse, the landlord was all too eager to exploit them. I asked him what his name was. He said, Frank. That's all he would tell them. Frank, you have to pay me cash, he said. Do you hear what's happening here? Which of us would do that, put up with that? And yet it happens all the time. So I learned about this family on September 30th, as I said, two days after the storm. Forrest White, our director of missions, and I were asked to stop by their home. We were out in the community distributing water in some of the migrant camps. They had no water. They're all in wells. Electricity was off. So water was a very precious commodity. So we loaded up and took all the water we could down there to help them out. And then they said, could you stop at this one home? Now, from the front, it was old and dilapidated, but it looked intact. And, Joe, you know you had to walk around back to see it, how horrible it was where that tree had come down. But then as I stood in that room where you saw the woman, she began to tell the story of what had happened and how the landlord had treated them. I was horrified. That's not right, I said. But I could have stopped there and just declared my indignation at that injustice. We needed to do something because that's what it means to believe in the word of God, to recognize that you and I are called to get involved, not just to walk by, not just to wring our hands and say, that's too bad. Boy, I'm sure glad I don't live that way. I found out that the family there belonged to a Baptist church on Shepherd's Road. And I got the pastor's name and number and I called him. He too 
was just learning about this, and he was eager to help. So we divided our efforts. His job was to contact the landlord, who eventually we did find through SunBiz, who actually owns that park, and how to get in touch with them. And he started working through legal means to change the condition, not just of that home, but everybody there. And it, and it really is bad. Just I cannot say that enough. My job, though, was to help them with the immediate need, which was their home. And so I called our go-to group, our Tuesday Tigers. Now, I mentioned Joe a while ago because Joe leads that group, a group of men. And Joe, there was Merle was telling me earlier how it's just been such a blessing to him to be part of Tuesday Tigers. Normally they work on Tuesdays. Lately they work two, three days a week because the needs are many. Wheelchair ramps, some minor repairs, some major repairs. As you see here, they stabilized that home because the decking in the back needed that. And then they stabilized the inside where the sheeting for the roof had been pushed down, got it all propped back up. And they went out the day after I called them. Now remember, these are people who are dealing with their own mess to clean up after Hurricane Ian. And the church is trying to make sure we can help as many people as we can. The Tuesday Tigers, just right there, were out there helping immediately. In a very real sense, the justice which God speaks about was revealed that day. Let me see that next slide there, if you will, because this is what they were able to do. Now, it's not finished at this point, but you can see what they're doing. They literally dried that room in. They made it livable, not permanent. But this is a family of 11 that has no place to go. They don't have the financial resources to go to a hotel There was not somebody from FEMA there helping them. There was not a social worker. There were some people who loved the Lord who said, we'll help. And so the Tuesday Tigers stabilized, cleaned up all the debris, made it safe, which included some electrical work, I know, because there was the danger of all that was exposed there, and then dried it in so at least the family could use that until more permanent arrangements could be found. This is what God means when he says, I bring justice. Folks, that's us. We're not just waiting for something that's, you know, ethereal and mysterious. It takes on flesh when we become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's simply a family who lives in fear of their landlord. Sometimes it's bigger. You know that. But we are called to be a part of God's kingdom to help usher in justice. As we think about Advent and moving towards Christmas, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to give. And it is a season of giving. But sometimes the hope that we convey is giving that justice to someone, standing alongside of them, saying, I care about you. I'm going to help you through this. I am so grateful when we remove the inequities, the barriers which leave a family on the brink of poverty, even push push people into it, those are the things we need to speak against. We need to recognize that God calls us to seek justice for every person. I know it's a huge idea, but I've learned that the way you change things is start somewhere. It can be small. And you know this church partners with a lot of great organizations and people in this community. 
It's because we believe that that's how we bring justice and make a difference and help end these terrible conditions that people are living with. That's how we become light. And when all is said and done, I want to be in the light. I want to walk in the light. I want to be part of the light. David Pryor wrote years ago, Justice and kindness are essential qualities of the nature of God himself. But they don't come down from heaven wrapped in parcels. They're expressed in and through people who walk humbly with God. Folks, that's us. Let's walk humbly with God. And I pray that justice is the gift that you will share with others. Because I know it's a gift that brings hope to the hopeless. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the resources that reached out to not just that family, but to many families. Still reaching out in the wake of those storms. Still reaching out because there are people who are greedy and selfish. Not just landlords, but many people who take advantage of others. We want to be part of that peaceable kingdom. Of saying it is time for us to live with the peace that passes all understanding for everyone. Help us to be those advocates for justice, for mercy, and for your peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we prepare for the season of giving gifts, I would encourage you to give a gift that reflects justice. You might show up for Kids Pack. Helping pack meals for children who have don't have enough food. They face food scarcity all the time. And I think it is an act of justice to make sure they have enough to eat. You might be at the grocery store and notice that somebody's having to put a few things back. And you might say, let me get some of that for you. I think that's an act of justice. Sometimes it's standing up against, well, somebody that's taking advantage of someone else and saying no more. I'm standing with this person. They are not alone. And this needs to stop. Big or small, we are called to be advocates of justice. Not just a word, but it's a part of following Jesus. Jesus declared that that's an important gift we can give the world. So go now and share that gift. And we're going to talk about others through each of these Sundays in Advent. But you have a lot to give because of who you follow. So go, share those gifts, go in peace, and go in love. Amen.